0: Welcome to Mountain Mama's Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mama's, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken, and I am your host this week. And I'm super excited to have uh, my dear friend Elisa with us today. She's going to be with us for a couple episodes because she's had so many incredible adventures this summer, not only by herself, but with her entire family of how many children? Nine children. (laughs) So I feel like that in itself is a big adventure. So um, she's going to be sharing her international trips with nine children and kind of how it all formed and worked out. So Elisa is originally from Salt Lake and then currently lives in Springville. She is married with nine children. And has still seven at home, which is impressive.
1: Yes, it's a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you currently work from home as a small business owner and or small business advisor. Advisor. Yeah, Mm -hmm. what does that mean?
1: So I I owned my own business for 13 years before I sold it. And so I help other businesses, uh, one in particular right now, with just whatever they need. Uh, a lot of it is I work on the financial. That's what I love. And so I do QuickBooks and advising and forecasting their financials for them.
0: Oh, nice, nice. And is it a lot of local companies or do you do internet or uh, like online companies?
1: It's it's people that I know locally, but I have worked with out of state also. Yeah, nice.
0: And then uh, you said the fun fact about you is you were writing a criminal suspense novel. Holy heck, I did not know that. <laughs>
1: Yes, I actually have always wanted to be a writer, so I finally started It's actually been almost two years, and my goal was eighty thousand words, which is wh- about what they want to see a first, like a first novel be uh-huh. to go to publishing. So I'm at seventy-eight thousand words out of eighty thousand as my goal, but I'm thinking like I'm not, not not quite to the end yet, so it's probably going to be more like a hundred thousand before editing. Right, I mean so, you've got to have a good conclusion. <laughs> but I am really excited about the storyline, and um, it's has a strong. Uh, female lead that is also, I think, women will find empowering, but in a much different way than uh, Mountain Mama's does. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'm
0: already intrigued. Do you have a title for it? Or? I don't
1: have a title. That's the <laughs> hardest part. I, I can't even think of that yet.
0: Uh, yeah, I feel like you just get the story out. And like you're saying, my sister's a writer. My The other co-host for this sometimes, Debbie Moore, she does writing as well. And sometimes she's like, you just get the words out and the ideas out. And then... You find ways to wrap them up and it'll all come together. So
1: Yeah, it's that's been an adventure in of itself, and I've loved it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to hear yeah how that ends up being and and would love to read it and all that. (laughs) That's so cool. So we wanted to talk about your adventure this spring um with your family when you guys traveled to Europe. And what was kind of the like that's a big trip to do with all a whole family that large, and a lot of families just are terrified to do something like that. Like what was kind of, what brought you to that point?
1: So yeah, it was huge. It was years of the making where for years I wanted my home and my little farm and my homestead. And I also really wanted to world school cause I, I've homeschooled my kids their whole entire life. They've had very little public school up till now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was always just like, I just want to school on the road. I want to go see the world. I want them to see all the different things. And it was really hard to make that happen with the big house and everything. So we ended up selling the house And, you know, kind of maybe an irresponsible decision, but something that we just felt good about to say, like, let's just take some time, take some money from the cell of the house and go see the world and give our kids this amazing experience. So we actually took seven of the nine kids. Um, One of them ended up joining us later on for a while, but the two adults stayed home. Okay. So it was nine of us total.
0: Wow, that is still a large group.
1: Yes, it was.
0: (laughs) And where did you travel generally?
1: So the we the first thing we did was we just took a few weeks in Florida, uh, which was awesome. We came back for um, my second uh, oldest daughter's wedding, and then we wrapped up a few things and waited for the passports to come in that had to be renewed, mm-hmm. and then we uh, flew straight to Barcelona.
0: Wow. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about this episode, is mostly focusing, because I feel like you guys traveled a lot of places, and we every did. single place could be an episode. Um, so we're just going to focus this episode on Spain and what all the adventures you had in Spain. And our next episode, um, we'll kind of go beyond that and some other really cool things further south. So, so what was your impressions of Spain, and why did you choose Spain? Like, why was that a place you wanted to go to with your kids?
1: Well, I think the main reason we we decided on Europe after kind of going back and forth between places. Originally, it was going to be Peru, but they were having some political problems at the time. Uh huh. So we had last minute switched it and decided to go with Spain and. I really wanted warmer weather, so of all of Europe, I'm like it's Spain that we're going to. Ah, uh, so you're um, like we're going to stay on the yeah. southern end of the continent. I didn't sure. want to pack snow clothes. I was ready to leave that behind. <laughs> uh, this was in February when we when we left. So we landed in Barcelona. And this was February of
0: 2023. This year. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. 2023. Okay.
1: So we landed in Barcelona, and I was kind of determined to just be like, we're just going to take public transportation everywhere. But the one exception we made was from the airport to the Airbnb. We just decided, like, they had big taxis there that could fit us two in one. Because the problem with a big family, that it's it's hard because we don't fit in even two taxis or two Ubers. (laughs) So unless I want to trust my kids to go in an Uber alone, which you really can't even do, I have to... Like legally can't do it. Well, like- I, maybe. I mean, I, but I didn't really feel comfortable with it. Like try to imagine trying to take three Ubers and trying to make sure that your kids are getting to the same place or ordering three Ubers at once. And one of them is, you know, at the time uh, my oldest child with us was 17. So mm-hmm. I would have had my 17 year old do it on her phone. And it's just tricky. I didn't feel comfortable with it. So we're just like, we're going to figure out a different yeah. way around this. So we took taxis to this Airbnb, and it was in like the foothills, uh, the really steep, hilly area of Barcelona, and it was just this beautiful little house we were staying in, and we got there and realized, like, there is food nowhere to be found, nowhere oh, near us, no. and, you know, we're, tri- we're tired from traveling, and wow. the nice host of the Airbnb, she had like a couple, like a package of noodles and a package of cookies that she gave us, so... Uh, we gave that to the kids and I said, you know, I'm gonna take one of my daughters. I'm just gonna go see if we can figure out this the store. Cause I could look on like the, the Google maps and see that, okay, it's like a train ride and then you have to transfer to a funicular. And what is a funicular? A, a funicular is a, a train that's designed, to basically it's just like on a cable that lowers it up and down like a really steep hillside, like too steep where you wouldn't practically, you wouldn't put a, a train. It's just gonna like pull it up on a cable mm-hmm. and down and it keeps the cars level. Um, instead of like on a big, so you don't feel like you're sitting on a hill. If that right. makes sense.
0: So it's kind of like, it's like a kind of like a train car that goes up the, it's right. not up in the air, like a
1: tram. No, it's just, right. it's, it's on just rails like a, and it just like pulls it, it up and up lowers it back down. Lowers, yeah, Yeah, and yeah. part of it was through a tunnel, but most of it's just outside. So we're just like, okay, we're gonna learn how to take this, you know, we're, we had to do everything because <laughs> we were brand new to this. So we're we have to figure out how to buy tickets, how to get, you know, get into the station. And there was one about five minute walk from our house, this little rural train station. So I figured out how to buy our tickets and trying to work the automatic, um, like the doors where you scan your ticket and go through. That was like a process in of itself, the whole trip. And I felt like. Like why? I felt like by the end, we finally got it. It was just (laughs) because there's a big group of us. You buy passes that were um, like for eight passengers, but there were nine of us. And it was, try, it was hard to figure out like which kids, if kids were free or not. And I ended up figuring out that um, they're not, I think five and up uh, needed a full ticket. So, but when you write it to the, like really big city areas, they make you scan your ticket also on the way out. And that confused us a lot. We didn't really get Ah. why you had to scan it on the way out. And I thought it was charging us twice. So I threw away some tickets thinking they were used when really they just want to verify that you have to use the same ticket that you use to get there, to open the door, to exit the station. So Ah. that was hard because at some time, because there's such a big group of us and we'd buy an eight pass and there was nine of us i had multiple tickets and i would have to be just well people were waiting in line i'd be scanning them again and again and again to try to figure out which one i had used <laughs> to to buy the to purchase the ticket sure. so that they could get out and open the door and so many times they were really nice about it so many times uh, like one of the security would come over and they'd just be like i'm you know there was a language barrier i speak quite a bit of spanish but there's, you know, in the new country, it's always a language barrier, I think. And it would just come over and open the gate and, like, push us through. They're like, always. just get you through. Yep, yeah. So most of the time, like, we used help a lot of the time. But by the end, we, like, finally got it down. So And
0: this is just, like, not just the funicular, but trains generally as well?
1: well yeah, the funicular it was just, like, this one little leg that we just used to go to this little tiny grocery store that was closest to our Airbnb. But we took trains everywhere in Barcelona um, for the whole, like we were there for five days and rode trains every day all over the city mm-hmm. to see all the sites. And it was overall a really good experience.
0: Yeah, I feel like trains, I don't know if it still is like this because I haven't been there for a while, but trains were like the best way to get over, get through yeah. Europe generally, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, my experience otherwise is mostly like I'd say um, the New York subway system. Mm-hmm. was very different than that. I mean, sometimes it was very crowded, but one thing I noticed about in Spain, it was like dead quiet on those trains really very clean like nobody and I that's something I noticed just looking around like not one person is eating there's no wrappers there's no drinks Mm -hmm. it's just not something that they do it was just super clean and very quiet (laughs) wow and and sometimes it was really crowded which is tricky uh, because sometimes we couldn't even get our big family all in at once especially at the times when we had our luggage with us Mm -hmm. so that was kind of a little bit crazy
0: where did you go in Barcelona what did you love there
1: So the La Rambla, it's called, is one of their main um, just big streets that's mostly just pedestrian traffic or a huge pedestrian strip down the middle with a little road on each side. And it just has uh, the marketplaces there. There's uh, the Mercado de la Boquería. And we were actually there on Valentine's Day. And it's just this huge market where (laughs) just, you know, you're seeing all these new sights and sounds and smells like the pig's legs and Uh, I remember this egg, they had this beautiful display of somebody selling all kinds of different eggs. Like Uh there was an ostrich egg and little tiny quail eggs. And they were just set up beautifully in this big display. They're they're for sale, Uh for people to eat. But I'd never seen eggs displayed like that. And, you know, all the different meats and the seafood. And it was really fun. And then the candy displays were just amazing. Just so big, bright, open candy displays where they would hand you a bag and, you know, a pair of tongs. And that's what my kids got for Valentine's. Aww. that year as I let them I just handed them like they got the bag and they got to fill it up and and it was like it was an expensive treat <laughs> you know was bought by the pound but it was really fun and then the yummy churros and everything Aww. and then from there like the gothic district with the alleyways and and one thing I noticed about Barcelona too it was just very clean mm-hmm. and it really everywhere we went I'm sure maybe there's areas that aren't but for what we saw it was it felt very clean and safe everywhere we went we never oh, nice. had problems with um, you know like people begging for money or people that made us feel uncomfortable and this was including just walking all these little tiny narrow alleyways that mm-hmm. were just clean and beautiful and oh. the cool thing was is that these are actually gothic era alleyways but there would be like really posh shops built in to into them so ah, oh, that is sounds
0: so yeah. cool that, that sounds cool. really good real. yeah i went to barcelona like 25 years ago or something like that and it was definitely very different <laughs> So it, yeah, it sounds beautiful and clean and yeah, it that's was, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's so good to hear. You had mentioned um you had a an experience with the high-speed train delay.
1: Right. So that was interesting and that was one of the things that we were just kind of s- super scared about because we had bought to we, after our 5 days in Barcelona, we were traveling um, to the south of Spain and like the Costa del Sol mm-hmm. and to stay like right on the coast and a little bit like yeah, um, just tropical area and to get there we decided the best way was like the high-speed train and it's mm-hmm. at six hours and that that thing books it's fast. Like how fast do you uh, It was like I want to say like 300 kilometers an hour like it was just hauling. Yeah. So we were in line and it had our tickets and said you have to board the train 15 minutes before your time so I'm looking at it and it's getting closer and closer and they have everybody you have to go through security which was kind of crazy all your luggage goes through but you have to do kind of like all the work. It's kind of weird how they have it set up. These weird conveyor belts. Um, they don't want to like touch anything, and mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> that is and funny. then you're in this huge line. But it's for all the trains. This is like their major central station. So in Barcelona, right. So yeah. the trains go in all different directions, right. all the Europe. So and so it's Barcelona's main uh, Sants station. It was called. So we're in this huge line and we're watching, we don't know like all these hundreds of people in line, which train they're going on or if they're on the same one as us and it's getting closer and closer and it's like 15 minutes now. And I'm just like, oh no, we're gonna miss this train. But they weren't letting anybody through and I didn't know why. There was some sort of delay and I, I didn't know why they were letting anyone through. And there were still several hundred people in front of us and Several hundred? hundred? yeah. Oh like, my gosh. It was a huge line. It was a huge line that was like really wide, really long. Uh-huh. And we were just this group in there. And I could tell, I was trying to look around and I could see that other people were also nervous and that I could see, like I got a glimpse of a few tickets to see that they were also supposed to be on the same train. So that mm-hmm. brought me some comfort of like, I think that I'm in the right place. So it's okay. Right. Like, They'll if figure I'm... this out. Like I'm not the only one who's not on the, that train yet. And hopefully if there's a big problem and they're obviously not letting people through for some reason, it'll be okay. So... I saw them start pulling a couple families out, mostly people with strollers and babies, um, Mm -hmm. to pull them to the front, um, probably, you know, because I thought, okay, they must be getting closer, getting the little ones out to get ready to go, the people maybe have to use the elevator. But they also somehow saw us way back there and were like, hey, come on, Like a motion, (gasps) like, come forward, and I was like, okay. And it was weird (laughs) because we didn't have a stroller Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, our kids, we had a lot of kids and maybe that's what they just saw, like a crazy amount of kids and they're just like, okay, let's help this family too. So they took us there and they started taking us down either like the escalator and we were end up the, cause the station where that trains actually are is all underground, it's under the city. And we get down there and we were the first ones down there and they told us there and they were just like, just stay. They kind of like motion, like, <laughs> you know, just like stay here. And it was a ghost town and it was really weird because I think it looks, I think there's like four tracks, huge tracks on each side, this huge underground station. And there's literally no one else around. Like, they hadn't brought anyone else down from the group. So it was just my family <laughs> yeah. standing in the station. I'm like, this is so cool. And anyway, I was just like, look at this, like all these trains. And we're sitting, we're alone here. Like, what is going on? And every <laughs> once in a while, like somebody would walk by working. You could hear like workers in the distance. And and I would like show them the tickets and be like, you know, point to the train. Like, should we get on? And they'd just be like, wait, no, wait. Uh-huh. And so we did that for like 15 minutes. We were just standing there in this quiet isolated platform. It was really weird, so I still don't know why that was so, you know, empty. I know but the eventually they put us on the train and we had just, you know, tables to ourselves, like rows to ourselves. We had a lot of space. They had a nice, like, they fed us food and that, it was just really fun. It was a fun, beautiful ride through. It actually took us, instead of, I thought it was going to take us Barcelona, because it's on the coast, all the way down the coast to where we were going, but instead it actually went to Madrid, and all the way back down Mm -hmm. to where we were going. So it covered a huge amount of distance in the six hour ride. And so that's how we got to our next destination. And it was actually an, an hour car ride. And that's another time where we couldn't figure out transportation. So
0: once you got down to Costa del Sol, then it was like an hour car ride to your we next had a, destination. Yeah, we had to
1: hire private cars. I couldn't figure out a different another way to do that. There was like no Uber or anything. It's a fairly like a rural area that we were uh-huh. staying in. And I did a lot of research and I, I reached out to a lot of like the world schooling communities to kind of figure out like what place? to Oh my gosh, I didn't,
0: okay, that's just something that's just blowing my brain. Is there yeah. like a, like a group that's called, if you yes, Googled world yeah. school,
1: but that you come yes. up with groups that, yeah.
0: this is how they do right. school. Right, so they're,
1: they're <laughs> they call themselves world schoolers and a lot of them just travel full time all around the world and they do school that way, so... If someone was interested in that, do you
0: know like a link or a website? You can or?
1: look up just if you go if you just searched it on Facebook. That's mm-hmm. like the groups I belong to are on Facebook, and I belong to several different ones. Uh-huh. So you can just look that up and find a group that suits world you. World school. And worlds, uh-huh. World schoolers is like one world, one word. Sorry. So world, instead of homeschooler, world schoolers.
0: Okay and then just find that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, this is so cool.
1: And it is, if you want to ever stay anywhere long-term, it's a great, great resource for that. Even if like world schooling isn't actually what you do, if you wanted to go stay somewhere for a few months or consider relocating. Uh-huh. And So that was one of the reasons I also picked Spain is that so many people on that community were just like, of all the places they've traveled in the world, and a lot of these world schooling families have been to 60 plus countries. Uh-huh. A lot of them are like Spain, Portugal, Like those are the places that were their favorites.
0: Uh, and Portugal is so cheap too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love Portugal. You said you hired private cars. Like how did, did you find those contacts through?
1: That was through our Airbnb host. They oh, okay. sent us somebody who ended up being a great resource. We ah, actually used okay. them on the way when we needed to leave also. So mm-hmm. they he, he lived actually locally in that town, grew up there his whole life. He spoke really good English and I had some amazing conversations with him. And on my last ride, when we actually left Spain, we had a over three, three and a half hour ride with him. And I just talked to him the whole time about his country, his people, and all the questions I had from having been there a month. And it was a really amazing experience oh, to man. <laughs> get to finally talk to somebody that way. Because that's what I really wanted to do is connect with the locals, which is hard. I mean, it's
0: hard just to not be just a tourist, like to be someone they trust and will open up right. and share all their stories. I mean, you have stories and they have stories and you're like, we could just learn so much from each other.
1: And things like, or one thing that really stood out to me was when he was talking about showers, like the water shortage in Spain. And he said something about, we came from a place in our house where we had well water, where we didn't even have a water bill. Uh-huh. before. We, we had an endless hot water heater. So we used insane amounts of water before this trip. And it gave us an appreciation for like how many people don't, even nice developed first world countries, don't have that luxury of endless showers. So it made us like kind of rethink that. A little bit because they he said like they never take a shower without turning the water like on get wet turn it off and he's like if i hear my kids like leave the water on too long or turn it on and off too many times i'll knock on the door and be like why are you what are you doing in there <laughs> so that was something that stood out to me about my conversation with him it was like yeah i can't imagine like because the shower is so relaxing that's something that i just love so.
0: yeah i remember being in new zealand and they were just like yeah, you just have a few minutes and like, yep. yeah, because their water, they had just collected whatever water was in a cistern in the backyard is all they had to use. And yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. it's so cool. Seeing, and I feel like when you come back from trips like that, there's just new things that you appreciate that you didn't even for think sure. you would appreciate. Yeah, and your children sure. now appreciate from, I mean, that's an awesome
1: side effect too.
0: Uh, so tell us about the the sleepy beach town that you were in. Was that this yes. town? Yeah, okay.
1: Yep. it was car was the name of it. Okay, you gotta yeah. spell it. It's A-L-M-U, the M A E C A R
0: Okay, cool. I've never heard of this city. So yeah, why did you choose this place? And
1: it was from that World Schooling Community that uh. was like one of the ones that was, it was that area of Spain that I thought would be really nice that wasn't overrun by tourists. You hear like a lot of, a lot of Spanish towns actually have, um, some of them actually have a higher British population (laughs) than they do a Spanish population, and I definitely didn't want that. That's not the vibe Mm -hmm. I was looking for. I really wanted to feel like I was around the the Spanish people and their culture, and I didn't want just to be around a bunch of, like, retired British expats.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So, yeah. that's one of the reasons why is it was one of the towns that was supposed to have like more just authentic feel. We were just uh, like 100 meters from the beach. We could see it from our doorstep and we went to it, you know Spain is so sunny. I think maybe it rained once when we were there for a wow. month. And, and you were there for a month. We, we were so. there yeah, it rained once in Barcelona and then we were another 30 days at this in the Costa del Sol and it was just beautiful sunny every day and the temperatures weren't like super warm at first because we're still in february but by the end it was just like hitting 80s and what we saw is like the, they, they call them cheering the little beach bars were everywhere but most of them were closed like we we were walking at first when we first got they were walking cl- uh, past all these places that were closed we did find some open ones um and we just learned to walk by foot everywhere. And that's something that I thought was fun also, that Mm -hmm. in a place, we've come from a place that's so dependent on cars everywhere we go. We never think to walk anywhere to run errands. And there Mm -hmm. it was, we decided we didn't have a car. We decided that we would rent a car when we wanted to do side trips, when we wanted to do trips. But for our day-to-day living, we just wanted to go without a car. So we would actually walk over a mile, usually every day to the store. And it was on this just beautiful board, like beach walk, just, beach on one side. And that's another thing that I saw about Spain um, is for the most part, you do not, they do not put houses on the beach. So unlike the US where so many of our beaches have like houses blocking the way, like the public access, um, the whole entire strip of these towns was just open, beautiful beach. Wow. It's just mile after mile of like, so it would either be like cliffs or sandy beaches and there wouldn't be buildings other than like the little shacks that were just on the beach, but not blocking it. It was just open to the public and you you were, you know, just walking in front of a row of houses. You were walking in front of the beach. So it was just beautiful to go there every day. And we would go do our shopping and the produce was amazing. Mm -hmm. And they grow so much uh, beautiful produce there. And the cost of the food was just so low, especially the fresh produce, like the most amazing uh, mangoes and tomatoes and everything every day. We were just chopping those up and eating them with the fresh baked bread from the bakery. That was a big part of just our life. And we just—it was like nothing to walk a mile to get food, or and when we wanted to rent a car, we would walk about three and a half miles. We'd leave the kids home. We mm-hmm. we would walk three and a half miles to do the to rent a car and then drive back and like pick up the kids, and if we wanted to do a side trips.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's brilliant! Yeah. What was it like watching this town like wake up?
1: It was it was like the whole town woke up from its winter sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. So.
1: It, just like I said, at first it kind of felt like a ghost town. You didn't see a lot of people, the beaches. We would have the beach totally to ourselves for hours. And by the end of that month, you, all the stores just slowly opened up more and more people were arriving. You could tell that the local hotels were starting to get business. Some of the hotels were totally just shut, even really big hotels. They were just closed down for the season. Uh-huh. And... By the end, they were open and really, really busy, and there was just music in the air. You get the flamenco dancers on the beach, like, for the lunch. On the beach? Yeah, just, like, at the little, like, the little beach bars would have flamenco dancers. We would have lunch and watch the dancing. Like, one of them had, like, every Friday, the flamenco dancers were there. And it was just really cool. (laughs) And we would go get, you know, ice creams or whatever Mm. from them all the time, like, drinks. Um, on the beach and they they opened up their umbrellas and set out all their their chairs which they use like the really nice lounge chairs with big cushions that if Mm -hmm. you just bought anything ever there you could just have it the whole day and lay there on the beach and so it was really fun and just a nice experience and just really cool to see that town just come alive
0: that is so I feel like any of those resort towns in the U.S. and the international like it is like you have your off season and your your peak season and those transitions can be mm-hmm. so interesting and a totally different city you know yeah. our village depending on the seasons and it's it's neat I think like you're saying seeing something in it's off rhythm you know and right. just like you're saying I feel like that's more genuine of what it is you know and the real the people that love it are there you know on the off seasons and and you really get to know a place better I think yeah you do for sure ah that's so cool you had mentioned you got lost hiking in that area as yes, well. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a, a a bad on my part, kind of miscalculation. Mm-hmm. I the there were just miles of beach trails, and one of the one of the ways went to where it hit where you were just walking along the rocks, like a cliffside on rocks. you know, Spain is very hilly, and it's where I took my kids to look for like tide pools and stuff, and was really really fun and then it got more and more remote and i just kind of kept going because it was you know it wasn't like really rigorous or anything and i remember seeing that there was this cool tower they called it like the diablo something the devil's tower way up high on the mountain and i knew it was far away but i thought like i wonder if i just follow this along the beach right against the water if i'll find it so i kept going and going and i got to this point where um, i noticed my cell phone was getting low and i opened up to a little beach area that was one of the few places that didn't feel open to the public. There was no, I couldn't see any roads. It was in a a valley, like a really steep valley, steep walls on all sides and what looked to be like somebody's farm. And I could see a family standing there. And this is like me, you know, this is why I'm writing a criminal suspense book because... (laughs) Because I have a really big imagination. So and in no way do I actually necessarily think that I was in danger. But I could tell, like by I'm by like, paying attention. I'm tuned into them watching me uh-huh. and trying to figure out what I'm doing. And it was like three men and one woman and a dog. And they were intently watching me. Like I could mm-hmm. tell they were talking about me. They kept turning and looking at me and then talking, turning and looking at me and talking. And then I look up and above me in the steep hill. I'm like, that's the tower. Mm-hmm. And I could just get up that hill. But it was a very big steep hill. And I turn and just start heading towards that hill and there wasn't any clear path whatsoever to get up there. And I noticed looking back that two of the guys and the dog left the group and started falling where I was. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, coincidence or not, like they're not after me, but I got a little bit nervous. So like once right. I was out of their sight, like, cause I went behind some trees, I thought like, I'm going to get a head start on this. <laughs> so I kind of like took off on a jog and started scrambling up the hill. <laughs> yeah. And next thing I know, I could see that they're scrambling up the hill also. And their dog, which was much faster than them, because I thought like I'm got I'm in good shape and mm-hmm. you know I'm used to being at like high elevation and now I'm at sea level, like I can I can leave these guys in the dust if they want anything bad. Right. So I scramble up there and the dog gets it back up to me right away, catches up to me, and the dog just stares at me and I'm just like, hola. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you're not yeah, the dog didn't look vicious, but so it was looking it was looking at me intently, and then would run back to its owners, and it would run back to me. So it's like, I know that I can't, like, hide. Uh-huh. So I just scramble, 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 and I was pretty out of breath and pushing myself pretty hard by the time I got to that tower. And then I thought, like, for sure, this is, like, a public site. I'm going to be able to find, like, a main road here. And I looked at my phone, and I think at the time it was, like, 3%. So I'm like, great. And the screen had gone, to you know, power-saving mode, and what? that bright Spanish sun, I'm like, I couldn't even, like, I could hardly see the screen to try to make it out. And so I'm trying to get, like, a text to, like, my husband saying, like, hey, I don't know where I'm at, I'm lost. I'm going to try to send you a <laughs> pin. And, um... Like the I, one time you need yeah, to use right, your phone, yeah. right? And so I ended up going all these little streets back and forth, up and down, dead end after dead end. Trying to find your way back. These yeah, these like beautiful little houses. That I ended up in this neighborhood, but I couldn't find like the main highway or any road that connected to like this the direction that I was going. It was mm-hmm. just like dead end after dead end of these streets. And my phone had already powered off. And I was just like, great, I didn't get. I had to
0: like, and did the guys like? Did they ever find no, you? Or, no, no, did I didn't
1: see them. Once I got to the top. And then i entered the neighborhood i did not see them again okay so, you like left him in the desk yeah and you were, yeah like and, you and like, i don't know who
0: knows what was going on knows, back there you know, it's like
1: my imagination i don't know <laughs> but it just seemed kind of weird because i yeah. yeah so i didn't want to leave it and you know, i want to take a chance because i knew that i was very isolated
0: right
1: so so good yeah, yeah so you went into
0: the main i mean they weren't main roads but yeah got. it into again it was like these homes.
1: beautiful houses that I was walking through on these really steep hills, but most of them looked completely like abandoned. Like they, the summer crowd hadn't showed up yet. Oh. They looked empty. It was like being in an empty, beautiful neighborhood. Like mm. you could just see like the leaves from the winter were all over the street still. Um, all the doorways had like, yeah, they, they hadn't been swept. You could just tell that they were like, look for by and large unoccupied. And so I finally powered my phone on and did like a really quick pin drop to my husband and then i was like hey i think it went through and if my phone was at one percent and i was surprised i could even power it on again because usually when my phone's gone it's gone and i sat there and tried to figure it out and when he finally figured out like on the main highway above the city you know, it was like an up higher above uh away from the the mediterranean he finally figured out. He found the neighborhood where I was in, and then I saw how far away I was. I was like, "Holy cow!" It would have taken me forever unless I went back down to the beach, like to walk the big highway. Mm-hmm. I would have been in trouble had I not sent that pin. So I was super glad that he was able to was able to get it through.
0: And Else, he came and picked you up came, and brought you. He home. was
1: able to like follow the pin and find the neighborhood and find me and. <laughs> And I was still just kind of like walking around in the general area, trying to figure out how to get out, and still kind of like watching around to see if those if I was being yeah. followed. right, right. Because it was so isolated. it was kind of crazy. But
0: you're like, I'm still in a, I'm in a neighborhood now, but it's like deserted, and right. stuff could still yeah. happen. And oh my gosh, that is the scene of like a yeah. crime novel. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. Thank you. Well, to hear more fun, inspiring stories from women like Elisa, click the subscribe button and like and share and tell your friends and all the things. We're just glad to have you here. And if you are a local here in Utah, feel free to come play with us um, on Mountain Mama Adventures. We'd love to have you come. The website's mtmamas.org. And even if you're not local, there's lots of resources for other activities to do. If you are a biker or want to start getting into paddleboarding. There's lots of um, ideas, videos, and... But anyway, we would love to have you uh, come be a part of any of our adventures in the future. That's it for today's adventure. Join us next time, and as always, remember...
1: A woman's place is in the mountains.